Devora Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Good morning, everybody. Chodesh Tov. We are heading into the month of Tebes. And um, just was saying, today's real women power. Because women, as you know, are compared to the moon. Even Shakespeare noted that when he said in one of his works, I don't know which one, uh, one that we all had to study probably, he said, woman, thou art changing as the moon. So we know that our bodies wax and wane. And the Jewish people are compared to the moon. And of course, we're also celebrating Rosh Chodesh and Hanukkah together. And we're leaving the month of Kislev and going into the month of Teves. And um, it takes a lot of strength because we're traveling through the darkness. Baruch Hashem, I want to, um, I want to uh, d- dedicate this class for Rafua Shalema to Tzvi Mayor Ben Peril. God willing, he should be well, Bikarov, and home from the hospital very soon. Unfortunately, he's, and his wife as well, are suffering from the virus. Baruch Hashem, they just approved the vaccine in Toronto and Canada, I'm sorry, through the Pfizer company. And Gerald Ford, it's not Gerald, what am I saying? Doug said that um, we're on the road to recovery. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. So I thought that was a very good way of putting it, very cliche, but we're in a holiday of light, Hanukkah. And Hanukkah teaches us that not only there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but we as Jews, all what we as Jews always do is we find the light even while we're in the tunnel. And that is the Jewish way to find the light inside the tunnel. And that's why as much as we need this vaccine for our bodies, and obviously our bodies house our very special souls, we always need the Bitachon vaccine. Because no matter what life brings us, whether it's the great highs of life or the great lows of life, if we don't vaccinate ourselves with proper ways of thought, proper ways of thinking, so that we give ourselves the gift of tranquility and calm and recognize that we are always in the hands of Hashem in every turn that we make, then we haven't gained as much as we can. It's not physical health alone. Um, I wanted to also say that it's interesting that Hanukkah always has a Rosh Chodesh, a Shabbos, and it's, of course, eight days long. And, you know, some of my grandchildren were around the other day, and all of them learn, we all remember learning very young, that the three big mitzvot that the uh, Greeks wanted to take away from us, they felt were the foundation of the Jewish people, were Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Brit Milah, which is obviously done on the eighth day. So it's just, it's, it's a coincidence, if you like, or it's very, very clear that Hanukkah has all of these three in it, these three ideas to show that the Jewish people are not defeatable, that we find the light inside the tunnel. 
Okay, for those of you, this was one of the longest davenings of the year because we say Shmona Esrei, we add in Al Hanisim, we add in the Rosh Chodesh, we add in uh, Hallel, of course, Thanksgiving and praise, and then we say another Shmona Esrei for Rosh Chodesh. I just wanted to say it together with you. I asked permission from the rabbi. He said I could do this. I'll unmute everybody for a second. And you can say Amen. Or can you unmute yourselves? Anybody who wants to say Amen? Okay. May we all have a sweet and healthy new month and year to follow. Okay, um, I'll mute everybody. So the idea of bitachon, and I, 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 um, I just read a quote. Where did I put it? I'm sorry. Okay, the idea of bitachon is very much a part of. Hanukkah, as you know, and again, the idea of a woman being in the forefront of the Hanukkah story, it was Yochanan's daughter, Yehudas, who went out and killed a Greek general, I'm sure you've all heard that story, and began the whole uprising of the uh, Maccabees against the Greeks. So we women have a large part to play, as I said, in the Hanukkah story, and the idea of Rosh Chodesh, of course, is that Rosh Chodesh was given to women because they refused to take part in the sin of the golden calf. And they would not give up their jewelry to build the calf. And I once heard a beautiful uh, question where they said, well, maybe they just didn't want to part with it. Maybe the women were really attached to their jewelry. Maybe it wasn't that they were so against the calf, per se. But, you know, women like their stuff. But the Torah tells us that a little bit later, when they were building the Mishkan, the women came very quickly and willingly and readily and gave their jewelry and all of their beautiful things for the building of the Mishkan. So they showed very clearly that it had nothing to do with their own desire to keep their things. Okay, so today we're going to go on with our topic about Pitachon. And as we said, the way that Jewish people deal with darkness is by lighting a candle, because a little bit of darkness dispels a little bit of light. I'm sorry, my brain is a little bit of light, as we know, dispels very much darkness. And each one of us has to fight off our own darkness in our own way. Each one of us have our own challenges. And our mission in this world 
that comes with darkness. Now it can be a very quiet type of darkness that nobody sees and nobody knows about, or it can be a very obvious kind of darkness. It can be the darkness of dealing with a difficult character trait, like anger, like jealousy, like yeush, depression, sadness. It can be life circumstances, a difficult marriage, the loss of a spouse, health issues, money and financial problems. Of course, we've been living through a difficult time right now and everybody's have to, had to draw on, on their resources, both spiritually, physically, in every way, and work to find Hashem through the difficult tunnel that we've been in. And that's what Bitachon is all about. I want to find you that quote. It's bothering me. Okay, it'll come up. All right. So Bitachon is definitely challenged during the times that we're living in. Last week's Parsha, we began speaking about Yosef and the episode of his being taken by his brothers and thrown into the pit. And, of course, his brother Yehuda takes him out of the pit and they sell him. They decide to sell him to the Yishmaelim. And there's an interesting um, paragraph in the Torah. It talks about how the Yishmaelites were coming from Gilad. And their camels were bearing spices, balsam, and lotus on their way to bring them down to Egypt. So the question is, why does the Torah have to tell us what the caravans were carrying? The Torah is very terse in its language. If something is written, it's because there's something that we are meant to learn from it. We're meant to ask the question, what is this? Why is this here? And, and dig deeper right, to find the answer. So, so according to the Medrash cited by Rashi, the Torah tells us that Hashem intervened for Yosef's sake. Yishma'alite caravans normally carry foul-smelling cargo, such as nafta and tar. But in order to spare the righteous Yosef from that offensive odor, God arranged that this caravan should be the exception, and it carried only fragrant spices. What we want to take away from this, what we want to take away from this is a something called the good smell exercise. We mentioned last week that Haboteach Hashem Chesed that the one who trusts in Hashem Kindness surrounds him. That even in the darkest places, even in the most difficult circumstances in life, if a person walks with Hashem, he will find the light in the darkness. So, as you know, Yosef's going through this terrible test. His brothers hate him. His brothers decide they want to kill him. 
They throw him into this pit instead because they decide, you know what? We don't want to be responsible for murdering our brothers. We'll throw him into the pit and whatever God wants to do with him. If he's guilty, he'll die. If he's not, whatever will be with him, it won't be our hands that shed his blood. And of course, they later change their mind and decide that rather than leave him in the pit, they're going to sell him to these Yishmaelim who are going down to Egypt. And this is how Yosef gets himself down to Egypt. While this is going on, while Yosef is at the bottom, literally, of the pit of his life, Hashem is thinking this tzaddik shouldn't have to suffer any further by smelling bad smells on his way down to Egypt. So Hashem created circumstances, as we said, this was the only caravan that was um, traveling with spices and sweet-smelling materials. Hashem arranges that this is the caravan that comes to pick up Yosef. So, like, so what? Like, here he is, he's being tortured and he's suffering. So who cares if his caravan smells good or not? But that's the purpose. The purpose of the good smell is for Yosef to realize that even in the midst of his suffering, Hashem is with him. And just like Hashem made sure that it smells good, it should remind me, and this is for all of us, that Hashem is also with me in my pain and suffering. That haboteach Hashem yes chesed venu. That even when I'm going through very difficult times and difficult circumstances, I have to look for the sweet smell because that's Hashem telling me that I'm with you through your pain. So Dina Schoonmaker tells a story that she calls the good smell exercise. She says that uh, somebody once was in a car accident and his wife and child passed away on the spot, Lenu, a major tragedy. And later on, a few days later, he said to somebody, and I guess she heard him, he said, am I crazy? He said, the first person who showed up to the accident happened to be a very close friend of mine who worked for Hatsala. I got such incredible comfort from that. I felt a certain level of bitachon, seeing a familiar face at that tragic time. So that was the good smell in the middle of, of the darkness, the good smell in the middle of the difficult, tragic even, situation, that this man was able to see, wow, that was a little gift from Hashem. So I have my own story that I want to share with you. I don't know if I drank too much coffee or I didn't drink enough. <laughs> so many, many years ago, and I don't know if I've shared this with everybody on this chat, but many years ago, um, I went through a very difficult illness while I was a young mother. I was pregnant with my fifth child, and I discovered that I was uh, sick with the machala. 
Anyway, the point of the story is, is that I had to go to Denver for treatment for many uh, months. And um, we were just leaving for Denver. We were leaving our five kids behind, including a newborn baby with my mother and father who had moved in. And we were leaving the house to go to Denver for an indefinable amount of time to have a special kind of um, treatment. And the phone rang just as I was going out to the car, the phone rang in the house and I ran to get it. And for those of you who know this woman, the famous Henny Machlis, Aleha Shalom. Henny Machlis is a woman who unfortunately died a few years ago. They were a famous couple in Israel and Jerusalem for having hundreds of guests for Shabbos into their tiny little apartment every week. And uh, there's a book written about her called Chicken Soup for the Holy Woman or something like that. Anyway, the point is, is we were friends from Israel and her, the phone rang just as I was running out of the house. And it was Henny Machlis. And she said to me, Devorah, do you know what day it is today? And I said, no. And she said, well, it's Rosh Chodesh ER. And do you know that ER stands for Ani Hashem Rosacha? Aleph, Yud, Yud, Resh. I am God, your healer. So I felt like, wow, like I never talked to her. She never called me. You know, I left Israel many years before. And there she was calling me as I had one foot out of the door to tell me that this is the month of Ani Hashem Rofecha. So this was my good smell. This was Hashem giving me a good smell. I was saying goodbye to all my kids. I didn't know what would be. But even more so, the most amazing part of this is when we got to Denver, a couple picked us up in their van. Their name happened to be Fetter. They're big jewelry people in, in uh, Denver, for anybody who's from Denver knows Denver. And we started playing Jewish geography, of course, as soon as we got into the van. And we quickly discovered that these were Henny Machlis's first cousins who had come to pick us up from the airport. So not only was it half a hug, but it was like a bear hug from Hashem saying, I'm with you, I'm holding you. It's gonna to be tough, but here's the good smell. The good smell exercise, right? Everybody breathing deep through your nose. <sighs> Take a nice big breath. And that's what we need to do when we're in a tunnel. We need to open up our eyes and look around and find those sparks and find those places where Hashem is winking at us, where Hashem is giving us a hug, where he's letting us know that he's right there beside us as we're going through the difficulty. Devora, can I say something? Sure. Remember my little... Um side effect from the corona yeah I can't, smell. <laughs> can't what i can't you know i have this oh you can't smell not very well or taste oh so this gosh. is talking to me well there you go the point is even talking to me. we have to be grateful we have to be grateful for the fact that we can smell metaphorically we can always smell metaphorically yes always have that good smell even if we can't smell literally but god willing your smell should come back God willing, 
we don't recognize, a, as Joni Mitchell said, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. So we always have to wake up every morning and appreciate what we so much take for granted. Those Nisim, those miracles that we just expect are normal and natural, but of course are constant miracles that we have to acknowledge. So one other example of this, and it seems a lot less uh, exciting than what I just uh, shared with you, but just an idea of a mother coming out of a hospital with a sick child and it's pouring rain outside and her car was parked right under the awning. So she didn't have to get wet. And even in those little ways, she felt Hashem's chesed in that small thing. So it's just being aware. It's looking around. It's recognizing that Hashem is there, letting us know that he's with us. You know, there's that famous story of the footprints on the beach, right? Uh, the two sets of footprints. And then all of a sudden, one set of footprint disappears. And the, and the person says, you know, I see God, you were with me. You know, you were walking beside me, but then all of a sudden you disappeared and you weren't with me in my most difficult times. Where did you go? And God says, what are you talking about? Those footprints disappeared because I was carrying you. That was why there was only one set of footprints. So it's this kind of image. It's this kind of idea, right? The good smell exercise to look and see, you know, Hashem made the caravan for Yosef smell good. Even though he was at the lowest point of his life, my brothers have abandoned me. They're throwing me out of the house. They're sending me down to the most wicked nation in the world at that time. Who knows what will become of me? My father thinks I'm dead. But Hashem sends these sweet smelling spices to say, it's all in my hands. I'm right with you. It's all meant to be, right? And that's what Bitachon is about. Okay, so there's many stories, and I'm sure you have your own stories to share and, and your own difficult life situations that you've been through that you probably, I know for people who have to spend a lot of time in hospitals, right? God forbid they have a sick child or children who are born with um, developmental handicaps. So many parents will say it's like, it's like all of a sudden being introduced to this underworld that they never would have known about, where there's malachim, you know, there's angels that work there. And people that they were able to meet because of this difficult journey that made them smell the good smell of Hashem through these angels, through these people who seem more like malachim than, than human beings. So these are the kind of things that we always have to look out for. Okay, so... The great uh, Rosh Hashiva from Israel, whose name is Rav Borach Mordechai Ezrahi. And he gives a mashal. And it's a tough mashal to swallow, but I think it's a very strong one. And it will really bring this point home. And this is the point that even in the pain, even in the difficulties, number one, they're tailor-made for us. And number two, like we said, Hashem is holding us tight. You know, there's a, when I, when I would be sad and upset as a little kid, my father, who was very loving and very uh, demonstrative, he would always come really close to me and he'd go like this and he'd say, you see the tear in my eye? 
Do you see the tear in my eye? So I was shocked because one Yentav, one Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, I was reading the Machsor, Davening, and I couldn't believe it. But in the Machsor, there is a place there where Hashem is basically says, you see the tear in my eye? My father was literally quoting from there. And it always, you know, gave me such comfort. You know, I push him away. I say, get out of here. Yeah, you don't understand. You know, leave me alone. I want to sulk. I want to be sad. I want to be depressed, right? But that see the tear in my eye, that compassion, that love, that understanding. So this is a bit of a difficult mashal. Maybe it's coming out of Israel, so they're a little tougher there. But this is what this rabbi says. He says, imagine there's two people in two places in the exact same situation. Both of them are lying in a bed. There's a masked man standing on top of this person. Let's say it's you, okay? And he's about to put a knife into your chest. Now, one person, before doing that, swipes the knife with an antiseptic, and the other one doesn't. So what's the difference between the two? One's a murderer, if you didn't guess, and one's a doctor. Okay? Now, they both look exactly the same. They're both doing the same act. The only difference is that the one who swipes the knife beforehand with the antiseptic is doing it for my good. After all, why would they even bother sterilizing it if it wasn't for my good? And, that, and the idea is, is that because they're doing this for my good and with great precision, everything that will happen after that is that it will all be done with precision. So both of these scenarios are painful. But one is for the good of the patient. And the other one, the reason that the murderer is masked, he's masked for his own sake. You know, we could use this parable in the virus right now, as opposed to being masked for your sake, right? That's the whole big thing right now that you should mask for others. So the one who swipes the knife has the mask on for your sake. The one who's the murderer He's wearing the mask to cover himself up because it's to your detriment. So the idea is, is that the good smell that we're talking about noticing when you're in pain, when you're going through difficult situations, when you're in that dark tunnel looking for the light, which is the Jewish response to darkness. Okay. is to recognize that this this is a knife that was swiped for my good. And that even though the incision will be painful, the precision and the preparation shows me that it's for my good. If someone was running after you with a needle, you'd run away. But if they were running after you with the COVID vaccine vaccination, and they said, guess what? We decided to bump you up from 10,247 to number four, right? <laughs> and you want this vaccine. You really want it, okay? So you're not running away anymore. You're running towards the needle. Give it to me. Doesn't matter how much it hurts. I want it. It's good for me, right? 
It's the long, short road. It's going to hurt for a minute. Maybe even a little while, but it's all for my good. It's all good. When I, when I, when I wrote down these notes, there was no such, such thing as the COVID, uh, COVID um, problem. So it's interesting how it relates so easily and well. Um, so we don't know when and how it's going to end in terms of this painful incision. But we know that the fluid in the vaccine, vaccination is measured out perfectly. There's a, uh, an understanding in Judaism that everybody has a measure of pain in this world. Nobody gets out of here without a measure of pain. And there's a duration to that pain. You know, uh, life is a wheel. A person doesn't stay at the bottom of the wheel. A person doesn't stay at the top of the wheel either. The, the way of life is that the wheel is always turning. And a person will find themselves on the top, on the side, on the bottom, in all different types of ways. But pain has a, um, a duration. So just like that amount of fluid that's in the vaccination, which is perfectly measured out for you, that is the kind of pain and challenges that Hashem puts into our life, into our world. Okay, let's not blame Hashem for the ones that we cause ourselves. Okay, but the ones that were either given to us from birth because of our personality tendencies or the life circumstances that we don't have any control over. Those are all meant for us to recognize that this is our path towards greatness. This is our walk through the challenges of life. And if we go through them together with Hashem, we'll be much more successful and be able to smile more through it. And the other point, too, which we made when we spoke about Rosh Hashanah and getting ready for Elul, is that if we embrace the small little bits of pain in our life, then we avoid the bigger ones, hopefully. So when we recognize and notice not only the good smells while we're going through the difficulty, but we recognize that this is a difficulty. You know, it was funny. My husband came home last night and, it, you know, I was he told me this whole thing about how he went to his mother's and he, 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 he left and then he realized he didn't have his gloves. So he went back to his mother's and he asked everybody there, did anybody see my gloves? And they all said no. And then he came back again and then he went back again, whatever. It was like back and forth. And there were his gloves, of course, just sitting at the front entrance on top of, or underneath something. And I, of course, thought to myself, I said, now there's an example of Tsar. That's considered pain. That's considered sorrows, right? If a person says, okay, that wasn't fun. You know, that wasn't fun going to the bank and it closing two seconds before I got there. That wasn't fun missing that appointment. That wasn't fun having to ride around the block 600 times to get a parking spot. It wasn't fun. Or you can elevate it and say, you know what? I have to get a certain measure of pain in my life. And if this is the way, you know, this person just totally insulted me. This person just made me feel terrible. This person just said something which is so tactless. I can't believe they would walk. I mean, 
I can't believe they haven't been put in jail yet for their tactlessness. You know, the point is, is that if we recognize that all these things coming at us that we are not in control of, and we say, Hashem Hu Amelech, thank you, Hashem. I'd rather get my tsar in this way than in any kind of bigger way. Then hopefully, and I'm not saying it's a guarantee because obviously there's holocausts, there's gezeras, there's decrees. There are different uh, Gilgulim reincarnations and things that we have to fix that came before us and things that we need to fix so that we don't pass them on to the next generation, spiritual things that we need to fix. Okay. And some of us have bigger jobs than others, but we all have a job. Nobody gets away without one, unless you're a rock. And then I'm even not sure about them. But <laughs> that might just be a punishment for not having done your, your job in this world. You end up as a rock in the next life. Okay. Anyway, or even better, a cow. No. Um, so crisis is always meted out perfectly for me. The medication is very measured. Just like the nurse who measures it out carefully, every nisayon, every challenge, every test has its dosage. And it ends when you have the exact amount. That's part of bitachon. Again, bitachon doesn't mean, like we said at the very beginning of this series, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be just the way I want it. Now, again, there is a part of bitachon that says the more you rely and trust in Hashem, the more he can do for you. Hanukkah, the Maccabim said, we don't have any strength. We don't have weapons. We don't have numbers. We're going to rely completely on Hashem because to rely on logic or strategy or might is illogical. So yes, when we, when we are helpless, Hashem can be more helpful. And when we look to him to help us, he can help us. On the other hand, there are situations that don't seem to come to an end so quickly, that are ongoing, that are difficult. And there we just have to recognize that every Nisayon has its dosage and it ends when we have accomplished or we have rectified or we have played out whatever needs to happen to us in our lifetime. It's connected to the past. It's connected to the future. We're in chapter two. It's not only about me and what's happening right now. Though I am the person who Hashem chose to be able to handle whatever that test is. Okay, I don't know if anybody has any questions, but I'll go on. I don't know why I feel so exhausted today, but okay. Marlene stopped laughing. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't notice I was exhausted. As my mother would say, just keep playing. Don't stop playing because nobody knows you made a mistake. That was the Kiwanis Music Festival in St. Catharines. Oh, my gosh. That was frightening. All right. Every year, the same girls I was up against, Mary Beth McCarthy and Elspeth Thompson, they were frightening. Their mothers were piano teachers. It wasn't fair. They played piano from morning till night. 
was always the three of us, first, second, and third, you know? And then I won first one year, and, and by mistake, I flushed the, the, the metal down the toilet. It's unbelievable. Okay, sorry, I need a little comment. This is just too heavy. You know, and my mother would say, nobody knows you made a mistake. Just keep playing. And believe me, I had a crazy eccentric teacher. She spent the whole lesson teaching me how to curtsy. Okay? A whole lesson. And, and you had to, she, she made me curtsy with my nose to the floor. This was in St. Catharines. You know, you don't want to grow up in a small town. It's okay. Anyway. All right. Okay. Next class. Oh, this is so heavy. Excuse me. Okay, actually, we're ending our session on Bitachon, by the way. This may be the last of the next, the last class on Bitachon. Maybe one more after this. And then we're going to have to start a new topic. So start thinking about what you'd like to study. I can give you some, um, I can give you some choices and we could take a vote. Well, I've done jealousy with some people on this class. There's Simcha Sachayim, which is all about sadness and how to become happy. There's anger. There's um, Hakpada, which is how to get rid of internalized anger and resentment. It's a good one. Um, anyway, there's a lot of new topics that we can explore. So I'm not sure how I'm going to get your feedback. Maybe at the end of the class. Or maybe next week I'll put a list of different things. Yeah? What do you think? Good idea? You okay. could send out a vote on uh, SurveyMonkey or... Oh, forget uh, it. That's too technological. Don't start telling me. <laughs> it's hard enough for me to just get on this computer every day. Are you kidding? All right. You can do that, Rhonda. Fine. All right. I think she's more of a put your hand up kind of girl. Yeah, the old school. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Put your hand up. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is if I make it through today, I'm actually speaking tonight for CyberSem at 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, CyberSem, if you've heard of it. So every Rosh Hodesh, at least when people were walking around and doing normal things, they used to invite a speaker to Colette Avital, if you know her, I think that's her name. Yep. Home. And so tonight I am the guest speaker at eight o'clock. I'll be speaking about Hanukkah. And um, so if you want to tune in, I and send me, I'll say, so you know what? I don't have the Zoom link. So if you want to tune in, you can just send me an email and I'll send you the Zoom link when I get it. Okay. And you can send it out to whoever you want. I'm going to take a nap before then. <laughs> I, I slept well, even though I haven't prepared. Okay, this will be fun. Fun day ahead. Um, and what's the last thing I want to say? Oh, and I'm finishing my coaching course as of, well, I finished it. But I still, yay! Yes, thank you. But, you know, I still need hours. And anybody who wants a session for free, the first one, you can email me and I can work on you. 
I can try you out and then we'll go from there. Okay. That's, that's all the announcements now. And uh, no, that that's all the announcements. Okay. So let's do uh, five more minutes. Okay. So going back to the beginning of Bitachon, we said that the Rambam, Maimonides says that there is a difference between Emuna and Bitachon, right? Emuna is believing in God. It's having faith. It's knowing that there is a force, if you like, that there is a God, that he's running the world, that he's keeping the planet turning. I can't believe it. I still have the sticker on my glasses even. I'm really a mess today. I put on a new pair of glasses for you guys. I forgot to take, okay. All right. So, little comedy routine here. You know, I, I, so this is for Renee. Renee was a congregant in Manhattan Beach Jewish Center in Brooklyn, you know, so we're driving into Manhattan Beach, you know, we finally got the gig, you know, after all those like probas and going back and, you know, we didn't bring the kids with us because we knew they'd destroy our chances of getting the job as Rabbi and Rebetzin. So we left them at home with somebody. No, you're not coming. Right. And we didn't introduce them until we were sure we nabbed it in the bag, you know. But anyway, the point is, is we're driving into Manhattan Beach, Brooklyn, which, by the way, is after Avenue Z. It's surrounded. It's gorgeous. It's a peninsula in Brooklyn. It's surrounded by water on three sides. Okay. And as we're driving in, there's this like famous restaurant there called Lundy's. Lundy's, was that it, Renee? Yeah. So as we're driving in, you know, we go by this little tiny comedy store. There was, used to, there was like a comedy club also there. So I said to my husband, I said, listen, if things don't work out at the shul, we'll try out over here, okay? It'll be fine. That was, you know, we won't have to move again. We'll, we'll just, we'll stay put. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so you see, I'm still trying to do my sit down comedy routine. Um, okay. So just the last point, and then I'm going to say goodbye because this is pathetic already. Um, Emuna is believing in God, but there is a very long and difficult road, or there is a great gap for many people between believing and trusting, trusting in Hashem, right? And the Chazon Ish, who was a great rabbi who lived in our generation, said that many, many people have emuna. It's like a tree. Emuna is like a tree, but they don't have any bitachon. They don't leave anything up to Hashem. They believe that they control everything. They believe that if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it for me. Don't trust him. Don't rely on him. I got to do it. I'm in charge. I'm the one who makes things happen. If I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Okay? And these are people that are very religious. They have a lot of emuna. They can talk about God. They can tell you about God. They're the tree. But then there is a tree that's called a fruit-bearing tree. And those are the people where their emuna, their belief in God, translates into the practical every day of their life. God is with me. He made this happen. 
that person just insulted me. It's not really that person. It's God speaking through that person. God allowed that person to insult me. The only thing that's in my control is how am I going to respond? Am I going to hate them for the rest of my life? Am I going to spend the rest of my life trying to get revenge on them? Am I never going to be able to get over this? Am I going to pour poison for them and drink it, drink it myself? What am I going to do with this? Am I going to grow from this? Or am I going to become bitter and angry and upset and sad and inward and all of those things? Because those are always our choice. That's always the choice. So Hitachon is taking that emuna, that belief in whatever level it's on and translating it into the way you respond in life to the everyday. And again, we get two chances, right? Our primary response doesn't have to be perfect, right? We can yell, we can scream, we can get hurt. We can react badly. We can be disappointed with ourselves. I thought I was on such a more higher level. I thought I mastered my anger. I thought I'd mastered my stinginess, whatever it is that plagues us, or my jealousy, right? But as long as we're working towards it, and as long as we understand that it's our secondary response, what we decide to do with that first reaction, which is where we can start to implement bitachon, right? Hashem, this couldn't have happened if you hadn't wanted it to, because nothing can harm me or benefit me unless you allow it. Okay. What is he doing to me? Well, what is he doing to me? What are you doing to me, Hashem? Why are you causing this to happen? What am I supposed to learn from this? What's the view from here, as the Chazonish used to say? I'm on a pleasure trip. Everywhere I go, I'm with Hashem. And the window looks different. It's outside the window looks different everywhere we go. But it's all a pleasure trip because I understand that it's all for my good. It's all the knife that was swiped with the antiseptic that it's the vaccine that has the exact dosage that I need. And yes, it hurts and it's not fun. And I'd rather run the other way. But when I understand that the pain and the challenge is good for me, that the pain and the challenge grows me, that it makes me more into who I can be, become, that it's the Nisayon, the test, the challenge that has the same word, right? The same word nace, which means miracle. The same word nace, which means banner, a flag. When I pass this challenge, Hashem, it's a miracle. I never thought I could do it. I never thought I could hold myself in. I never thought I could let go. I never thought I could do something differently, right? But I got the strength, Hashem. I got the strength from you. And when a nace, an isayon, when we pass an isayon, it's like a miracle, but it's like a flag. It's like we've raised ourselves up like a flag. We've raised ourselves up to a different place. And you know what? We can resist and we can say to Hashem, leave me alone. I don't want to do the work. I don't want to do the work. I don't want the vaccine. I'm running away from it. I don't want the operation, even though it's going to save my life. But when we understand that life is about facing our challenges, 
And that by embracing and recognizing that each of our challenges is tailor-made perfectly for each one of us in the, in the last, in the past, for the present, for the future, for our children, for our grandchildren, all the way till eternity, right? And if we understand that we are the only one who can accomplish this task, there's nobody else in the world that has the same task that we do since the beginning of time, since the beginning of creation. And of course, we use the support systems that we have, which are learning Torah and doing mitzvot, those things that give us simcha and connecting ourselves to Hashem. The more helpless we feel, the more helpful Hashem can become. The humility that that takes, the ability to say, I don't know. Sometimes Hashem pushes us down so strong and so hard, and it's only so that we will rise even higher. And it's only so that we will get into perspective and gain the perspective which we humans have a really tough time with, which is I am not the center of the world. I am not the center of the universe. I am here to serve the one who is the center of the universe. And Hashem reminds us, you know, know your place as the saying goes. And when we get out of the way, and we let go and we let God, it's amazing what can happen. It doesn't take logic. It doesn't take, you know, people think, oh, well, God and religion is for stupid people, okay? It's for dummies. It's for people who don't like to think. They just want to say, God will take care of me. But as I like to explain to people, believing in God is not simple and it's not easy. And one day you can, and the next day you're not quite sure. As I think Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, it is knowing how to believe in the face of uncertainty. Right? When there are doubts, that's what separates the men from the boys, the Jews from the goys. The men from the boys, the Jews from the oh, Okay, sorry, Camp Shalom song. Mar Marlene remembers it. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's politically incorrect. Um, so that's it for today, ladies. I'll We're enjoying you. I'll be arrested if I continue. Thanks for the inspiration, the knowledge, and the entertainment. Love the glass. That's a good one. Yes. Okay. Anyway, thank you for joining. Thanks. I'm, go I'm, going, to, I'm going to sleep. Have a good nap. Great. I better class. stop recording. Thank you.